Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Behind the Curtain podcast. I'm your host, Justin Loy. This is a podcast where we take an inside look at an expat life. As an American citizen who has lived in Central Europe for almost 20 years, I'm going to take you behind the scenes to explore the joys and struggles of a foreigner. I'm here with my uh, my friend David Blaho. Um, I just want before we get started, I just want to say something about David. David is the one who got me started on podcasting. So this was your fault. Yeah, I want to apologize to everyone listening right now. Uh, I am indeed responsible, um, but I'm glad I I could finally do this with you and record some fun conversation about expat life. Yeah, me too. Um, um, thanks for coming coming here. Uh, David has uh, spent um, his time in the United Kingdom, uh, specifically in London. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell me, tell me where you're at right now in your life. Well, I've just finished my university degree at the University College London. I've graduated from um, biodiversity and conservation. Uh, it was an integrated master's degree, so I skipped bachelor's. Uh, so that was kind of smart and lucky because the university allowed me to do so. And But life in London was much more than the university. And for me, there were integral, integral parts, which... Um, just made that experience much richer. If I had to name some, uh, yeah, please some, do. Uh, I, for example, the most interesting one, in my opinion, is that I used to volunteer at the zoo as a zookeeper uh, with the penguins and 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 flying birds, and that experience was just um, kind of for me as a biologist and ecologist. It was just returning to my roots caring for the animals um, and also meeting a lot of awesome people that cared about the animals just as much as I did and truly tried to work with the animals in a way that acknowledged the differences of each individual penguin because all of them had their own names, their personalities. And it was such a a great experience. Um, So that, yeah. Oh, sorry to interrupt, but do you have any great stories about like being in a zoo. I mean, I can imagine being in a zoo. You're a foreigner in a zoo. Yeah. Is there any great stories that you have about the penguins or the tigers or whatever? The the, the penguins are quite a funny animal uh, because everyone thinks of them. They're, they're this cute and fluffy animal that everyone wants to take a picture with. Once you work with them, you'll realize they're savages. Uh, they... <laughs> they uh, I often, when I told people what I did at the zoo, I told them that I got chased by the penguins because they're quite playful and to them, any new person in their enclosure is just an enrichment of their day. So they either want to cuddle with you and then if you don't cuddle them, if you don't pet them, they eventually, if they get annoyed, they can, uh, they can bite you. And, and so, and they're so smart that they'll pick exactly the spot on your foot that is not covered by a sock or a shoe uh, so that you know that they mean it. They're incredibly smart animals and it's, 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 it's quite fun. And it's kind of annoying when you're trying to clean their enclosure and trying to wash the windows and, yeah. and make sure that the experience for the people that come and see them is excellent. But um, yeah, especially the, the, the youngsters that are the most curious ones. They get under your feet and you just scared you would you don't want to step on any of them uh but 
yeah it's just a fun experience it's, it's fun in the end it, it sounds <laughs> like the penguins are a lot like um a loved one who is like care for me or else exactly that's exactly what penguins <laughs> are like uh Compared to Birds of Prey, which were absolute lovelies, and you just, they were so, really? such a timid bird that just, I could feed them with my hand, actually. I got to feed a buzzard uh, a piece of meat out of my hand, and the buzzard just delicately took the piece of meat and ate it. It was such a beautiful moment. So all of you out there, Dave, what David is saying, Birds of Prey, friendly, you want them to be your friends. Penguins. Love them or run, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Be ready for for war. <laughs> That's great. Right. David, um, can you tell me, can you remember your first impressions of London when you when you first got there? What was it like for coming from the Czech, coming from Chaladna, which is a, right. for all you out there is a, a smaller uh, village in Czech Republic, and then coming into big London? Monumental. That's the word I would use for London. It's monumental. Just tall, big, big buildings around you, surrounding you. And my university is in the center, so I get to experience the very historical uh, feeling from London. Um, did that scare but, you or did it excite you? Kind of both. Uh, but I wasn't scared of a big city because I myself, well, I've lived in Chalana for most of my life. Uh, I used, my family used to live in Prague. So for me, big city, I have roots in a big city. And now I was starting to settle my roots in a different big city. And it was an exciting time, especially because I was starting uni as well. So starting that new student life really kind of puts it in. in and I think you explained the culture shock as a honeymoon period. And that honeymoon period helped to accustom to the city accustomed to the number of people because there's a lot of people in the streets. Um, but that culture shock wasn't as strong as one could perhaps could have expected or that mm -hmm. kind of side shock that you get, that it's a big difference between the contrast between Chilana and London. It wasn't as daunting as I, as I would have thought. It was more kind of a gradual transition. What was it about... Hmm. Or what is it about British culture that captures you so much? Or does it at all? Ooh. It's more it's it's an open culture but similar to Czech in some ways. Explain. I'm curious. Because I feel that we Czechs and Brits can connect on humor. I think that it's a very specific thing. It's not the same type of humor. But I think uh, that the humor is it could be a connecting kind of a mentality-wise um, factor. Uh, I don't know. You probably know Monty Python. Yes. Uh, the creators of Monty Python once got asked if Monty Python can work in any other country than Britain. And I'm not sure which one of them said it, but they, he mentioned Czech Republic. He said... The Czechs, they know how to have fun. And I think that they're, they know exactly how we can make fun of ourselves. They have a kind of similar kind of idea of humor. And so, and, and it makes sense because Britain, Brits have Monty Python. We have Zimmerman. 
which is kind of yeah. the English uh, Czech version of Monty Python, just different because we kind of put more of our own history into Suriman, whereas Monty Python is more kind of British worldwide phenomenon. Well, people can't see this, but I'm kind of wowing about this. Yeah. 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 And You're in what, awe. Well, yeah, I'm kind of <laughs> awe of that. Like, what do you think it is? What do you think? You got the humor, but humor is there just like a shared historical experience in some way? Not that they shared it together, but do they have a similar historical experience in any way? Or is it, what is it that generates that type of humor? I'm not sure. Um, I'm not. Sh- I'm. I'm not sure actually. But it's it's a very similar type of banter and teasing, and yeah, it's it's very specific yeah. to both of these countries. And also the mentality. Well, Brits might be a bit more open because they're mo- much more Western. They still have something about that, perhaps being slightly more private than, for example, Americans. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a there's a irony is appreciated. Mm, yeah. And I wonder if it's because different invading armies in it's what true. is now Britain, Britain yeah. uh, for a while and Czechs in the center of Europe. And I wonder if that having that in your history causes you to just become ironic about life. I don't know. Mm. This is my thought. It might be that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I remember this correctly, but mm-hmm. Ricky Gervais, um, yeah. British comedian said that. The difference between American and British humor is that the Brit- British comedian will make fun of himself, kind of self-deprecating humor, a lot of it, um, or very brutal humor to others, whereas American humor will be trying to be silly and situational in that kind of sense. Yeah. So, uh, And I think Czech humor is very much about that sarcasm and irony, that self-deprecating irony of life that we're in the center of Europe getting betrayed by everyone, but hey, <laughs> At least we have our own culture. We have ourselves. So we can we can make fun yeah. of it. Well, and then and that produces humor. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and, and, and I had read where it can I, be a bit cynical a, at times. Yeah, but it's a coping mechanism. It's a coping mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, the the listeners aren't privy to this, but you and I before this this mm. conversation, we we're talking about the international community in mm. um, in uh, in London. Describe first. Describe your expat experience. Uh, you've been there four years, right? Four years, yeah. Four years. And maybe some of this international community. How do they experience uh, as an expat in London? What's difficult it, for you? Hmm, that's an interesting question because I'm not sure if there's anything that where I anything where I would think it's extremely difficult or out of the ordinary. Because I feel like a lot of the problems that I go through are quite general what most people go through perhaps not the kind of visa status and making sure that all your documents are up to speed and um there is one one part of it though uh and that's family support uh because my family doesn't speak english much or if so very little so when it comes to dealing with uh british stuff or anything that's to do with the administration in in Britain or making sure that I have a place to live for next year. That's all on me. I don't get a help. And it was very clear from year one that anything that I was going to establish in London 
was going to be only my work because there was very limited help or resources that my parents could could send, except for financial support. But when it came to all setting it up and making sure that everything goes smoothly in my life in London, that London outpost that I've created for myself, that was very much me. And, and I think that most international students share that experience because their parents, even if they spoke English, didn't probably didn't have an experience with England uh, that would allow them to have kind of advice, like useful advice that would um, that would give them perhaps an advantage in these things. So we were all learning, all the international students were learning on the go, with help from university and from other expat students, which created this kind of international community in in the halls of residence where I lived. Is that because you had a? It sounds like you had a shared experience. It's, it's a shared experience, which makes you perhaps even close, which makes you closer than perhaps with than you can get with the British students. Because I remember in in the halls of residence, the international students would form groups together, and the British students would separate themselves to their specific groups as well. It would, there wouldn't be much mixture between these groups. It, it would be even ethnic groups. So Indian, the Indian uh, students would have their own group and they would celebrate Diwali with together and stuff like that. And then I would be there randomly, just one white guy <laughs> just <laughs> celebrating with them. But um, it was interesting to see that there wasn't much admixture between mm -hmm. the the UK and the international students. Do you wish there was more mixture? Or do you just think that's just so natural? That's how it I, goes. I think it's natural. Uh, for me, the mixture came in second year and third year when I started interacting with, much more interacting with uh, my classmates, with, uh, with the people who I shared uh, my degree and perhaps even more common interests. So that was quite a big, for me, first year was affected by the fact that I lived in a very social halls of residence. So it was already a lot of people, a lot of interactions where I lived. So I didn't really interact in during or before and or after lectures. And I think that's one thing that I, where I could have been a bit more interactive. And perhaps that's one of the things that I would change in the first year, being more active and interacting with people who I shared the degree with, because that way I would have gotten into contact with my British friends much earlier and could develop those friendships much, much stronger. That's, that, that's a really interesting point, David. Hmm. Um, when I think about it, it's natural for like a first year student in a foreign country yeah. to just try to survive, try to figure out their surroundings. Yeah. Um, What's interesting to me is that you said once second year and third year came around, mm. um, you were able to kind of start mixing with uh, the other British students. Uh, question I have is, what's more important for the expat, you, for example, to initiate with them? Mm. Or do you think that they should initiate with you? Ooh. Well, I when I was in that kind of early stage, I try to be the one initiating. And I think that perhaps when you're a foreigner, you should be the one initiating, just trying to see if those people are welcoming and want to, if they want to meet new people, 
then being an expat can be an advantage because you have something interesting about you. You have a background that no one else in the group has. You have different experiences, different culture. And that's differences make for an interesting entree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, I think it, expats should be the ones outgoing, but not always. Sometimes you should be, I believe that it should be organic. Relationships, regardless of yeah. if you're a foreigner or not, should be organic. It should be interest from both sides. So sometimes trying too hard is also not the not the option. And the funny thing with my British friends, who I shared most of my degree, is that it wasn't in a way that I'm a foreigner, I want to make friends with you. It was more along the sides. We have a similar interest, and it doesn't really matter where you're from. And one of the reasons why we became such good friends is because we had a field trip from ecology hmm. in northern England in Cumbria. We went to Lake District and we spent four days uh, setting our own research projects, uh, sharing our re uh, research projects, talking about them, writing them up within one night, which was quite quite an experience. A lot of tea got consumed. Uh, uh, but it, it was such a mending experience for our little group that those people that I had that field trip with i'm still friends with we yeah. still go to a pub and it created a second friend group aside from the international one to which i can look to uh and have a good time so. um you, you hit on two things which i think are crucial for the mm. the long-term success of an expat one of them is finding the lowest common denominator what right what are these things that we can connect with and I, I think, and you touched on this, trips are the one of the best places to do that, where you're mm. kind of thrown together in a place and you have to interact. Yeah. And, you know, at least with BMA, for example, listeners, that's where mm. I work and we, for how David and I know each other. I wish we had so many trips for people that they could learn to get to know other people in other cultures. And I think it opens something up. You know which trips work the best for that kind of interaction between people that didn't really interact in the class? Which one? I, I think it was the Christmas market ones. Why? I don't know, but that was the those were the trips where I got to spend time with the most diversity of people and also with people who I wanted to spend time with. Uh, and I'm not sure why, but I, I think it's that kind of a freedom that you get during the market time where the teacher tells you, okay, now you have an hour free and go out in the city, do something. And I remember the trip to Krakow when we went went there for Christmas markets. We went to the castle and saw the sightseeing and it was all fine, you know. But the best part of it was then we split into groups uh, and my my classmates back then and I, we went... Around the Christmas markets, we had a good meal in an Indian restaurant. Then we had mulled wine. And then in the evening, we went to visit an old synagogue. Hmm. We did the historical sightseeing, but on our own. And it was actually much more interesting than the Polish castle, if I may say. That's awesome. Just <laughs> walking around the old Krakow city, seeing the history, the, the Jewish kind of culture in, in the middle of Poland. And uh, just walking straight back, just on the street with mm. with a group of 
friends and we had a good time. I think I, I, I look back to that trip and I think that was a very good Christmas trip. That's cool. I will say this though, David, mm. from the teacher perspective, it's a nightmare. Letting, is it, well, <laughs> well, it would always be like this for me. Um, uh, I would go down to students and, uh, and hang out with students for a little bit and mm. talk with them. And, you, you yeah. know, I have good conversation with people, but I, whether it be Vienna or Prague, I didn't go on that Krakow trip, mm. but I always get left alone. And I always get left alone while you, mm. while, while the students are forming those bonds, visiting yeah. the synagogue. That's great. But as a teacher, I'd always be like, I remember walking the streets of um, Vienna alone being like, what am I doing here by myself? Or, or right. uh, I was on Petzschein Hill in, in, <laughs> in, in Prague thinking, what am I doing? So I, but to, I just wanted to say that from to, the teacher perspective. Fair, honestly, I didn't like the Vienna nor the or the Prague trip. So the Prague, Krakow, Krakow was, was so much nicer. It was a smaller city. Yeah, it is. Uh, and um, it was much nicer. So Krakow was actually, <laughs> I said Christmas Christmas market trips, and then I just named one which worked. But uh, they're fine. You get, they're fine. You get me. It's it's that kind of vibe that you get with yeah. these trips. Thank you for listening to the Behind the Curtain podcast. If you want to get the show notes or have new episodes delivered directly to your phone, you can go to the website behindthecurtainpodcast.buzzsprout.com to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, any ratings, reviews, or shares are greatly appreciated. If you'd like to connect, you can write me at thebehindthecurtainpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your questions and comments. This is Justin Loy. Take care, and I'll talk to you later.